Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to the first Bugle of 2017, a year that could easily be destined to go down. It was the greatest year since 2015. Who knows? A bit early to say. This is Bugle issue... 4011. I'm Andy Zaltzman, and this is one of the very few stars of international showbiz to have survived the killing fields of 2016. I'm <laughs> delighted to wish you all a happy new year. Uh, I'm in London, and by the most fortunate of coincidences, so is my guest co bugle host this week, all the way from also in London, Nish Kumar. Hello, Andy. Hello, buglers. I'm back. Yes, welcome, welcome back. We made it through 2016. Yes. At, <laughs> do you not think at. 11.59pm on the 31st of December Somewhere in the world Mick Jagger and Keith Richards Were sitting in a room High-fiving the shit out of each other Saying I cannot believe we've made it yeah. Why us? I imagine they fixed themselves up A lovely couple of heroin sandwiches <laughs> And toasted midnight <laughs> how, was, uh, how was your uh, end to 2016? Well Andy, I was in Kenya on wow. my continuing quest to travel around the world and not learn anything as I go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in Kenya living with the Maasai for a travel programme that I think I mentioned last time yes. as the reason I was in Mongolia. And uh, we were living with the Maasai. I was there with my friend uh, Joel Dummett. And, uh, you know, in England, Andy, Joel is sort of the athletic one in our friendship. And yep. uh, I'm really more his fat, sassy sidekick. <laughs> and I think I was hoping that travelling to Africa would somehow invert that dynamic. Uh, the Maasai uh, came up with some nicknames for us very right. quickly. Uh, they nicknamed Joel uh, the European and Simba, and they nicknamed me Pumba and the one who falls over. <laughs> so it's all good stuff. Well, 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 welcome. Where's your next? Where's your next exciting trip to? Uh, I'm off to uh, I'm off to Brazil. Wow! Next week. Well, is that what you're going to learn the overhead kick? Or? Yeah, we're going to learn beach football. <laughs> we're going to learn beach football and the art of the carnival. <laughs> Bring back those costumes, Nick. <laughs> Can't wait to see them. Uh, so this is Bugle 4011 for the week beginning uh, 9th of January. 9th of January, interestingly, revealed by scientists to be the day in the year on which people are most likely to start an affair. Um <laughs> And when I say scientists, I mean some kind of dodgy dating website that is uh, profiting from the lucrative homewrecking industry. Um, and but apparently, 9th of January is when most people are likely to sign up to uh, I want to have an affair dot com or wherever it's called. Um, why, you may ask? Uh, possibly because uh, it is a couple of historic anniversaries. It's the anniversary of the state funeral of Admiral Nelson, who was known to swing it about a bit. Uh, it is also the anniversary of the first incarnation of modern income tax in 1799, <laughs> which presumably has got, got people pretty hot under the collar. <laughs> As always, some sections of uh, this uh, newscast are going straight in the bin. As all good audio newspapers do, uh, this uh, this week's section in the bin is Trendsy Seventeen. What trends will 2017 be trended with? And we focus particularly on the follow-up to the smash hit 2016 Danish trend of Hygge. Chris, is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Yes. You are expert on all. Th- all languages. Yeah, pronunciations of Scandic words. Scandic correspondent for the Bugle. <laughs> Hygge. 
uh, which of course took Britain by storm. Hugo, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, Nish. You didn't seem very familiar. No, with I've it. got no idea what right, you're talking about. Basically, involves putting woolly socks on and making yourself feel all snug and nice by, for example, having a nice hot cup of cocoa and not thinking about all the atrocities performed by humanity <laughs> on itself over the course of history, and not worrying about the inevitability of loss and death. And above all, not reading below the line comments on the internet. <laughs> but what will be the Hugo? Of 2017, we look at the international candidates. Uh, well, some people are tipping Congolese Mbantantu, which means jungle heat. Uh, people could be living in oppressively unrelenting heat and humidity in specially constructed uh, airtight living rooms with the huge likelihood of contracting a tropical illness. Rather, a bit more edgy than Hugo. The German Stroppel. Um, Stroppel is a very angry way of living, a strop-based <laughs> way of living, which involves uh, every morning you spend one hour shouting at inanimate objects in your house, <laughs> um, get it all out of your system, and it helps the rest of your life, your commutes, your work, your family seem relatively low stress, so I think that's going to be taking the world by storm. But I've been living like that for 31 <laughs> years, Andy. <laughs> and uh, and, um, and Danish, uh, another Danish one, uh, which is the follow-up to Hugo, which is to doom, um, which is what Danish people do when they realise that just sitting at home being warm is a bit dull, uh, and it mostly involves jumping into other people's bathrooms naked. <laughs> so we'll see what... Uh, what um, what comes up as a, this week, week beginning Monday the 9th of January 2017 as we record uh, Friday the 6th uh, would have been the 33rd birthday of um, sorry I'm tearing up a bit here uh, my my, uh, my former dog Tash um, still can't believe she's gone 2016's last victim yeah well, I mean it was 1997 but I mean still 2016 yeah. you <laughs> bastard <laughs> and a thousand years exactly to the day Nish since King Canute became King of England. Is it uh, really? Yeah, little Willie Wettos himself. The, what a uh, career. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Danish King of England, also doubled up with a cheeky bit of monarchy here and there in Norway and Denmark, uh, coronated 1,000 years ago on this very spot, London Town. Uh, a different place back then, a millennium ago. You could get a seat on a train in those days. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, happy, happy millennium anniversary, King Canute. It's so hard to tell in this post-truth society. Yeah. Which bits of your bullshit I should believe? Right. I'm still trying to figure out whether it's is it. It really is the anniversary of. Oh no, no, that is that is that's genuine history. <laughs> I think this is going to be your year, Andy. In right. the year of post truth, I think you are about to be. You are the comedian for the Trump age. <laughs> <laughs> or as I was described uh, in the Times in a review for my uh, my Soho show, left behind sidekick. <laughs> That <laughs> uh, was uh, fortunately not in the print edition that my parents saw. But that was the uh, subhead on the, on the webpage. <laughs> Thanks to all all of uh, all buglers who have come to see the uh, uh, who came to see the um, twenty uh, sixteen the certifiable history. Um, because without uh, buglers, I would have been performing that in a phone box. So, uh, <laughs> so. Thanks once again for your continued support. Top story this week. Crappy New Year! <laughs> Andy, it's 2017. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, a lot of people assume that the end of 2016, with all of the problems it's brought us, uh, would somehow undo all of that damage. Like the right. end of a fairy tale where when you kill the witch, all of the stuff that the witch has done gets magically undone. I think a lot of people assume <laughs> that uh, on the 1st of January 2017, all of the problems set up by the previous year would just uh, magically vanish. And to all of those people, let me just say this. I have some magic beans I think you'd be very interested in. <laughs> 
2017 is going to be the year that all of the reasons we hated 2016 actually come into force. So let's start <laughs> by looking at a couple of the elements of the upcoming shit show <laughs> that we've got to look at. Let's start with Brexit. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> can't can't wait. Um, we got Article 50 coming up in March. What a, yeah. God, uh, the Brexit trapdoor is going to be sprung open. Um, I mean, got to be the biggest article of 2019. It's a huge article. It's an article absolutely 50. huge article. The trapdoor to our national freedom will be uh, yanked open. <laughs> Brexit skeptics suggesting that we're really just haggling over whether it's the trapdoor leading to a long drop or short drop hanging. There'll be a lot of foot twitching either way. Brexit enthusiasts saying it's a trapdoor that will deposit us into a getaway speedboat to surf the oceans as Britannia intended, as free as a whale. Um, <laughs> So. And a white whale at that. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, it's not. Uh, it's not going well at the minute. There's uh, some slight Brexit-based arguments developing. Uh, Sir Ivan Rogers, the UK's top diplomat to the EU, uh, has quit his job. Uh, and he has not quit quietly, Andy. <laughs> he's not uh, resigned gracefully, uh, tipped his hat and walked out. He's very much exited, flipping the bird in all directions <laughs> with a tattoo on his head that says, Go f*** yourselves! <laughs> now, it's interesting with Ivy Rogers. He was a man about whom, until a few days ago, no one had strong opinions <laughs> unless they were Ivan Rogers... <laughs> Mrs. Rogers, if there is a Mrs. Rogers, in the higher echelons of the diplomatic service or obsessed with people called Ivan. Yeah. Uh, but now he's quit early as Britain's ambassador to the EU. Uh, everybody has everybody has an opinion. Very strong opinions. We, I never knew how much I cared about Ivan Rogers until about three days ago. Yeah. And that opinion seems to be either he was just a civil servant trying to do his job to the best of his ability or he was a traitorous borderline German trying to destroy the entire country and nothing in between. <laughs> Yeah, there is no room for nuance when it comes to uh, Ivan Rogers. Uh, in quitting, he sent an email to his staff um, where he uh, criticised the muddled thinking that seems to be going on behind the scenes and encouraged them to speak truth to power. Uh, he also uh, castigated the government for ill-founded arguments and muddled thinking, which is also an extract from a review of my 2013 show. <laughs> Boom. Um, bang! <laughs> 2017, but I'm back! Muddled thinking is what we voted for in this country. <laughs> I've said He's this before and I will point. say it again. There is no plan because we voted for Bre a no-plan Brexit. <laughs> the, the option of a planned Brexit was not on that ballot paper. <laughs> it was a absolute was in the dark. <laughs> One man only too happy to dip was in, the in the dark was actually the name of that Edinburgh show. <laughs> 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 One man only too happy to dip his unnecessary wang into the pot to stir this moulding bolognese of a story was former Conservative leader Ian Duncan Smith, um, also former Work and Pension Secretary and renowned saviour stroke scourge of the poor and the disabled to delete according to whether or not you are Ian Duncan Smith. Um, he, he said that uh, Rogers had been kept out of the loop uh, on Brexit because he's not trusted by politicians. Ouch. Uh, uh, it's, it's not a loop, I don't think. It's more a, a loop the loop on Brexit. <laughs> kind of white knuckle fairground ride for the basic. The basic thrust is scream if you want to go faster and or harder. Or at least just scream anyway and then complain if you're not going fast enough. And who cares if the ride is going to career off the rails and land in a hedge as long as it's going f***ing fast and f***ing hard. <laughs> John Redwood, uh, who's another uh, long-time Eurosceptic, said uh, Sir Ivan's heart was not in the negotiations. And then he went on to say, the talks do not need to be that complicated. If you leave, 
you leave. <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that doesn't... It, the talks are incredibly complicated. It isn't yes. just a question of Britain just upping sticks and f***ing off. <laughs> um, is it not? I mean, maybe we should just do that. Maybe we should just up sticks and f*** off to Canada. There's loads of space in Canada. Take some thermals. That'll, t- that'll teach them. <laughs> Does this mean that we're now a sort of free agent? Now that we've left the EU, we could be signed up by any other continent that's maybe looking for looking to add some experience and old school racism to its ranks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's. I can see us joining South America. Yeah, yeah. We don't quite have the flair in our football. Well, no, but they need a bit of you know good old fashioned British insularity. <laughs> I think we can. Uh, I can see the press conference already with us sitting awkwardly answering tedious questions from journalists saying I've always wanted to be part of South America (laughs) just want to get out there and do what I do best the Uh, concern does seem to be that anyone who opposes Brexit is sort of seen as a kind of traitor uh, and someone who needs to be expelled Nigel Farage who is a total (laughs) Uh, has has waded in uh, again uh, saying that he hopes Sir Ivan is the first of many to go and the spirit of Brexit seems very much to be we have got our freedom back and if you don't agree go f*** yourself (laughs) that is the spirit of Brexit Um, Farage uh, complained about who um, Sir Ivan Rogers was replaced with he was replaced with uh, Sir Tim Barrow and Farage put up a tweet saying, good to see that the government have replaced a knighted career diplomat with dot, 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 a knighted career diplomat. Well, fair point, Nigel, because, of course, the last thing you want in top-level diplomacy is a diplomat, especially <laughs> not a career diplomat <laughs> with years and years of relevant experience. Because they're just going to come in, Nish, with their hackneyed old ways of doing diplomatic stuff, negotiating stuff by the book. And what we need in this country, we don't need that. We need an absolute novice who comes in unencumbered by the dead weights of experience and expertise, unconstrained by the constricting shackles of having even a vague f***ing clue what might be going on. What we need is a randomly chosen Brexit voter as our official Brexit Britannia representative <laughs> to sit in a paddling pool sit in a paddling pool in the middle of the negotiating room wearing a knotted handkerchief on the head saying do what I say or I'll splash you what we need Nish as only Mr Farage has had the courage to point out is someone who believes in Brexit someone who will sit in the negotiations with their eyes squeezed tight shut and their fingers in their ears believing as hard as they possibly can what we need is someone dressed as a bulldog to run around barking at the Germans and shitting on the carpet. That's what we need. We don't need a career diplomat. God save the Queen, God Andy. God save the Queen. I'm tearing up over here. <laughs> Some of the criticism is put in terms that I simply don't understand. So Tom Fletcher, who's a former ambassador to Lebanon, uh, was sort of frustrated by criticism of the Brexit plans, and he said this. He said... Uh, I think people are getting a bit fed up of why aren't we being more open with the plans. Muhammad Ali didn't brief everyone in advance on the rumble in the jungle. Now <laughs> he that, did, didn't he? He did, yeah. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, of all of the boxers he could have chosen, that was possibly the worst. Muhammad Ali briefed absolutely everyone on everything he was going to do at any one time. That is probably the worst example he could have chosen. But also, crucially, even if he hadn't done that, when Muhammad Ali fought in the Rumble in the Jungle, he didn't have to explain to all of us what he was going to do because there was no danger of anyone else getting punched in the face. 
He then went on to say, again, I don't know I, I don't know how these people have time to spend so much time watching sport. He's written, most of all, I think people are sick of the constant criticism. West Ham players perform much better when they're not being booed by their own side the whole time. We need to let our people get on with it now. Now, first of all, for anyone who has watched West Ham this season knows that they do not play well regardless of what the crowd is doing. <laughs> but also, that is, again, an imperfect analogy. No one is booing anyone. People are just trying to figure out what's going on, what the terms of Brexit are, and how this is going to affect all of us going forward. There's a difference between booing someone and just asking for some basic information. This is not like they're playing badly. It's like they've sat on the ball and are refusing <laughs> to tell us what's going to happen with the ball, but we need to trust that they know what they're doing with the ball. <laughs> Some breaking news here, actually just coming in on the wires. Um, well, more details on why Ivan Rogers was forced to uh, bite his career cyanide capsule. Uh, this has just been revealed exclusively to the Bugle. Uh, it turns out that the reason that uh, Downing Street uh, forced him to quit was that he failed to see in the new year prancing around on top of Nelson's column wearing nothing but Union Jack underpants, <laughs> singing Rule Britannia through a megaphone and shouting strap in dickheads we're going to rule the f***ing world again. <laughs> As a result, Downing Street decided he was insufficiently committed to Brexit. <gasps> Let's move on now, for the first time in 2017, to... The Trumpet. Yes, welcome to the Trumpet section in which the Bugle faithfully records the history of the Donald Trump years of humanity. It is only two weeks now niche as we record almost to the to the minute in yeah. fact until we enter a new era of humanity an era when for the very first time in the history of the planet earth this planet will no longer have zero donald trump's working as president in major nations <laughs> that i mean that is a big step it's one small step for man one giant <laughs> tumble into a <laughs> slurry pit for mankind. Well, and that step is into a huge pile of dog shit. Trump, very much the prime blood stain on the trouser crotch of capitalism, will soon be... Soon be... Leader of the free world. Whoa, 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 whoa there, Andy. You've moved very quickly off that. Leader of the free world. Now the year ends in seven. It's, we can't... Keep pretending it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, that's right. I, I remember this sense of foreboding uh, from when uh, George W. Bush was going to be elected in sort of the yeah. January 2001. I remember the same sense of foreboding. But uh, And at the time, you know, I, I spent most of my late teenage years being programmed to despise George W. Bush. But now, with Trump, I feel like I'm thinking back on... I think if I saw George W. Bush now, I would immediately salute and be moved to tears and referred to him as Mr. <laughs> President. This is, in many ways, the most extraordinary achievement of Donald Trump. Yeah. It is not, not to get elected into the White House, not to have, uh, you know, basically used about five tweets to thrust the world significantly closer to nuclear Armageddon, <laughs> but to have made people nostalgic for George W. Bush. That, In terms of political gymnastics, that is, that is a high-tariff manoeuvre. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. He's making people nostalgic for Nixon. <laughs> Like he's making people nostalgic. For, uh, Calvin Coolidge was sort of dismissively referred to as Coolidge the inert after he left office. <laughs> now people are begging for inerts. <laughs> yeah, if you're given a choice of the real Trump or Coolidge via Ouija board, <laughs> I think. Calvin, of, you're up. Most of humanity. 
<laughs> he's, he's not. He's saying there's, there's nothing coming through. Oh no, that is him. That is him. <laughs> okay. um, hey, guy could be worse, I guess. I mean, he could have lost, and then spent the next four years basically screaming, "Burn the witch! Burn President Witch!" Twenty four seven three six five. But anyway, so there it is. I mean, most of humanity did had seemed happy with a total of naught. Donald Trump's in high public office, um, but. In a fortnight, he will be settling in to the Oval Office, playing keepy-uppy with the nuclear football, installing a Twitter-enabled tablet in the presidential Kazi so he can communicate with the world even when going about his daily business, and finalising his own personal league of his top ten most f***able former first ladies from history, <laughs> uh, while spinning the White House globe with his eyes shut before stopping it with one finger and saying, whoever you are, you're getting it, especially if you end in Stern. So, <laughs> He, there's no way that he doesn't exclusively tweet whilst passing solids. There's absolutely no way. All of his tweets have the sense of a man struggling to curl one out. That's where half of where the frustration comes from, I feel like. I just feel like, just get some prune juice, prune juice. some high-fibre cereal. Packet of dried apricots. Get yourself moving, man. Relax, Donald. I've got to say that I, um, I, when I was in Kenya this time, I experienced sunburn for the first time. Right. I've never been sunburned before in my entire life. It's an awful experience, yeah. and it did make me think. I do understand now why white people are so angry. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does feel like I, I understand now why white people oh, make America great again. <laughs> I feel it. I yeah. felt it as soon as I got sunburned. I was like, send them home. All right. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> Slap a- on some Factor Fifty and calm down, Donald. I got sunburned watching snooker. Um, <laughs> it's the glare off the pink ball, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone's reacted well to Trump's uh, recent tweets. The Chinese state news agency, Xinhua, uh, said Twitter should not become an instrument of foreign policy, <laughs> which really are words that ideally no one should ever have had to say. Yeah. Um, but is it possible to get Trump to stop using Twitter? It's like trying to get your dog to stop rolling in fox shit. It's its, it's nature. And it's particularly difficult when the dog's just been giving supreme executive power. So... <laughs> It's going to be hard. Joe Biden told uh, Trump to grow up. He said, time to grow up, Donald. Time to be an adult. But I think an adult version of Trump might be even worse. (laughs) I think at least the kids... I mean, children are quite easily manipulatable. And he does seem to act with the mind of a child. just needs to be bribed with sweets. And I think he'll just calm down. I do, I do feel like that Donald Trump read that and immediately reacted by saying, you grow up, Joe! (laughs) My well, dad could beat up your dad. As an experienced parent now, Nish, of almost 10 years of parenting experience, <laughs> Donald Trump clearly responds to screen time. And that's... <laughs> use, use that as a bargaining chip. If you behave, Donald, he can have half an hour before dinner. <laughs> I mean, what he does in that half an hour might still be a problem, yeah, but it, just keep him off it for the rest of the day. Have they ever considered just sort of, I don't know, painting a bar of soap and telling him that's a phone? <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't there any way... Uh, it does feel like there should be some way around yeah. this. I mean, what, we, what we're definitely learning is, if we had hoped that being in power or, you know, the influence of congressional Republicans would calm Trump down, we are sadly mistaken. And uh, the uh, philosopher Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. But I also believe it was the stand-up comedian Nish Kumar <laughs> who said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for c**ts like Paul Ryan to go around being <laughs> for their own c**ting self-interest. <laughs> Both good phrases. So there we go. 
two weeks until we have an internet troll sitting in Abraham Lincoln's chair. Absolutely incredible. I, I imagine Lincoln would be turning in his grave if Donald Trump <laughs> hadn't or, almost certainly pissed on that grave. <laughs> Chicken news now, and it's, it's... Who says we don't tackle the big issues, Andy? It, 2017-ish, the Chinese year of the rooster. And this you, has been, you don't need to tell me that. <laughs> this has been marked. Sorry, I forgot you're from Asia. Of course you know anything. <laughs> I just felt it in my blood. 2017, chicken. <laughs> rooster. Uh, <laughs> the year of the rooster. And, of course, the king chicken coming home to shit all over the world's roost is... Incoming President Trump. Sorry, I mispronounced incoming. It should have been incoming. <laughs> Fire in the hole. Mayday! Mayday! Um, the Chinese city of Taiyuan has marked this historic year by installing a giant statue of a chicken with Donald Trump's hair, Donald Trump's eyebrows, Donald Trump's hand gestures, and Donald Trump's angry, angry face. And. This, to me, is the logical endpoint of all human civilization. Our work is done as a species. I cannot see where else we can go from here. A giant chicken Trump in a Chinese city. That, that is everything. That is art. That is globalization. That is the skewed byproducts of democracy. Where else can we go, Nish? <laughs> What's interesting about this is that Trump actually hasn't responded to this, which is quite strange, given he's sort of well-established as having quite a thin skin yeah. and any sort of criticism he's normally quite sort of hostile towards. Now, this means one of two things. Either his aides have finally got some control over him and decided it might not be a great idea for him to continue to antagonise China, or Trump has seen this and is happy with it. In which case, I would invite all buglers to start mocking up pictures of Donald Trump as a chicken <laughs> and sending them to him on Twitter. Another possible alternative is that he's just keeping his powder dry. He's got his inauguration coming up in two weeks. Yeah. And there have uh, apparently been um, certain difficulties in getting anyone to perform as it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. For fear of being tarred with the, the brush of Beyonce. Surely you and I, uh, the call is imminent for imminent, us. Imminent. Surely. Um, we'll do a, bit, a few country songs. And um, <laughs> I think maybe he's he is res- going to respond to the Trump chicken at his inauguration by having a musical set performed by a giant, 100-metre-high animatronic cockroach with the face of Chinese President Xi Jinping <laughs> as a revenge attack. It's going like, to march down the Washington Mall like Mr Stay Puffed in Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's just occurred to me that he's going to have to give a speech. Yeah. At the inaug- I mean, He might just tweet it. He might just... It might yeah. be a series of tweets. Yeah. I mean, what are the bettings that that speech isn't going to open with him just pointing straight at his groin and saying, <laughs> this is the president now? Um, well, I mean, it's going to be very, very hard for someone to stop him doing that. That, it, is, that is for it, sure. I mean, it is going to be very hard. No doubt about that. Trump... Yeah is definitely going to have a semi whilst delivering that inauguration. He's going to be the first president since Clinton to have a public (laughs) boner. (laughs) Because William Henry Harrison in 1841, he got his junk out at his inauguration and uh, caught a chill, died a month later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the second half of that is true. um... Assassinated by the communist elements. (laughs) Um, In other chicken news, scientists (laughs) have discovered... 
that chickens are capable of greater logical reasoning than children. Big f***ing whoop, chickens. Aim higher than that. That is like having greater hand-eye coordination than a bench. Um, maybe it's just that chickens don't believe in Father Christmas, um, even if they do vote for him, but that's more of an anti-turkey thing rather than a pro-Christmas thing. Classic ballot box interests. Maybe they do have human traits after all. But to be honest, I don't see why a chicken would want to have logical reasoning. Um, I mean, I guess if an egg flies out of your ass every day, you're probably going to start thinking that's weird. <laughs> there must be some reason for it, but yeah. it's still weird. Well, there certainly should be a reason why eggs are flying out of my ass whilst I'm packed <laughs> next to my friend, out of whose ass eggs are also flying. <laughs> the scientists also discovered that chickens have distinct personalities. Um, I'm sceptical about this. I don't know if you've ever looked at a chicken dating site, Nish. <laughs> the, research, the research I do for this show, you wouldn't believe what I've seen. You'll know that that is not true. Basically, all chickens on chicken dating sites likes pecking at seed, dislikes foxes. That's about it. <laughs> um, but they do have, apparently they have distinct personalities or ch- chickenalities. Um, that's that's not science. Maybe they've just been reading the label on those organic, free-range, hope-infused, cuddle-euthanized, ethico-nature chicken breasts from health food shops. <laughs> those little backstories you get on your food. Percy was farmed in 200,000 acres of pristine Arcadian woodland, stroked and sung to by angels every morning to make him happy. He liked playing board games, clucking, chicken golf, spending time with friends and being in the great outdoors. <laughs> Do enjoy your meal. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned that it seems like a lot of scientists are getting their information from the film Chicken Run. <laughs> like, it does really feel like that. Oh, a lot of chi- it, it does feel slightly like a scientist uh, forgot about a deadline, panicked at the last minute, saw a DVD of their child's copy of Chicken Run on the sofa as they were heading out and just thought, well, I'll just sort of riff some. Well, yeah, they've all got a lot of distinct personalities, chickens, and <laughs> some of them are voiced by Mel Gibson. <laughs> Chickens, uh, according to this uh, report continued, um, have been shown to possess self-control when it comes to holding out for better food reward. So they, they've worked out how to get treats. Jesus, that means chickens have more self-control than me. <laughs> that, when I'm drunk, I have less self-control than a chicken, it turns out. I'll just, I can always, I'm always walking home thinking, well, I could just get home, I've got some food in the fridge. No, fried chicken it is. <laughs> Ironically. Ironically. Um, That's apart from the Ukrainian chickens, which just stuff themselves with garlic and butter all the time. Um, (laughs) I'm concerned if uh, chickens uh, have this sort of Machiavellian tendency that they are going to rise up and strike back in a Planet of the uh, (laughs) Chicken-style scenario. And I'm worried that I'm going to be the first port of call because the amount of Nandos I've consumed (laughs) over the last couple of years, I imagine, makes me public enemy number one in the poultry community. Uh, Interestingly... uh, science has revealed chickens seem capable of self-assessing their position in the pecking order um, and I do hope that is the internal chicken pecking order rather than the overall global pecking order because that is not going well for chickens they they are not doing so well on the global food chain and if they do understand their position in the global pecking order maybe that's why they always look and sound so indignant um, another study showed that chickens can anticipate future events <laughs> 
Right little Nate Silvers, aren't they? But, <laughs> but it, to be honest, no, they can't. <laughs> well, you say that, but it can't be that difficult anticipating a future event as a chicken. Yeah. Oh, surprise, mum. Am I going to spend a day in a cage with loads of other chickens being told to lay a fat one? Well, it must be a day ending in Y. Um, <laughs> well, we need to start investigating their predictions because if they called Brexit and Trump, then that puts exactly. them ahead of all major political polling organisations. Well, you may well say that, and... Luckily, we can in fact find out because I have in the studio with me today a chicken. Chris, please release the chicken. Hello, Colonel Klukovic. Sit down, please. That, that is disgusting. Um, C- Colonel, welcome to the bugle. Thanks for having me on the show, Andy. <laughs> So what is it a chicken? <laughs> so, Colonel, uh, we hear uh, that you chickens can tell the future. Is that so? Yes, we sure can. Here's my tradition. We're all going to die. <laughs> Sorry, that's just a bit of classic chicken fatalism. When you've seen as many friends disappear as I have, you learn to laugh about it. Uh, okay, but on a global scale, Colonel, um, what, what do you think is going to happen? This year, 2017. Right. Well, looking into my crystal ball, people are going to get stroppy about Brexit. Trump is going to split opinion. Islamic State are still going to be a bunch of dicks. The economy is going to go up and or down. <laughs> the internet is going to be big. Right. Is that is is that is that it? I mean that. You're confident. I mean, that's that's pretty unimpressive prediction. That's pretty much stating the obvious. Well, you know us chickens, Eddie. We are all like Nostra Clarkentamos. Science never lies. <laughs> well, Colonel Cluxter, thank you very much for talking to us. My pleasure, Andy. Big fan of the show. Very excited to be on it. <laughs> do, do not do not start that. It's, it's too, too early in the year. Just a little yoke. Oh, God. I shall be quiet now. I won't take it any further. Oh, God. Uh, I'm, I'm glad of that. Yes, I'll stop now. Sorry, it's just a real coup for oh, me. Oh, come on. To be on the bugle. I didn't want to foul it up. Oh, God. Shut, <laughs> shut up now, chicken. Shut up now. Yeah? What'll happen if I don't? Oh. You... You, you don't want to know. Lighten up, MD. Come on. I remember the days when this rooster be a funny show. Oh, God, <laughs> I, I don't want to get in any trouble. So let's bury the hatchet. Seriously, f*** you, chicken. F*** you. <laughs> now, now, Andy, don't be rude. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Who was your favourite 1980s Hampshire and England batsman, Andy? I'll tell you mine. It was... Poultry. Well, did you did you just make a, a pun on the twice capped England batsman Paul Terry, who broke his arm against the West Indies in 1984? I did, Andy. Good luck for the rest of the year. Right, that's it. Um, so, sorry, sorry about that for any of our um, uh, ve- vegan and v- vegetarian listeners. Nish, you're a you're a meat eater, aren't you? Yep. Um, here you go. It's your plucky day. <laughs> right, let's move on. Oliver never had to be in the same room as them. 
That's the first time I've suffered it from someone else. (laughs) There is. We are two weeks away from Trump's inauguration. Brexit is happening this year. There's so much going on. How have we spent this amount of time on chickens? Well, how have we spent this much time on chicken puns without Addy saying he's had enough of this? (laughs) Very good. good. Brexit. Can't use French words anymore. Brexit. We've spent 15 minutes on chickens. 15, 15 minutes, minutes on chickens. The show chickens. is over 50 minutes long already, oh, largely because of chickens. Bugle feature section now, and technology. We, uh, we're going to have a quick look at the um, CES 2017, the Consumer Electronics Show the annual... The big one. ...festival of the, well, both useful and absolutely f***ing <laughs> technology that is going to... Uh, going to feature in the worlds this year. Um, it's 10 years since the iPhone was launched. Is it really? Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you look back at the old iPhones, they look, I mean, they had to be tethered to a wall. <laughs> the earpiece was linked to the base station with a curly wire. It's amazing how quickly it's moved on. Um, any highlights for you, Nish, from the uh, from the consumer electronics? I know you like to keep your finger very much on the pulse of. Oh, you know me, Andy. Andy, I'm, I'm a borderline part robot. <laughs> uh, my uh, my particular highlight was uh, is the smart hairbrush, right? Uh, which is a hairbrush that, <laughs> as you brush your hair, it sends information about uh, the quality of your hair to an app. Right. For reasons that I am still not clear on. And uh, the global vice president of L'Oreal's research and innovation department uh, said to the BBC, you'd be surprised by how many women around the world are concerned about hair breakage. And right. they are right. I would be surprised if that number was above zero. <laughs> I'd be, I would be absolutely surprised beyond belief if there were more than zero people who were brushing their hair and thought, if only my hairbrush could take a reading of the quality of my hair and feed it back to an app, that would be absolutely <laughs> ideal. Right, so it can basically coach you into how to brush your hair. Essentially, yeah. Well, see, I mean, I don't know about you, Nish, but the last time I used a hairbrush, the internet didn't even exist. Yeah, I mean, looking at the two of us, Andy, this is not... This is not really our This is not, this our, is not our wheelhouse. <laughs> what I would say, though, is, for f***'s sake, technology, focus! Focus! <laughs> Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you couldn't do something more f- worthwhile instead <laughs> what the world needs is a hairbrush that doesn't tell people when they're brushing their hair wrong it needs a hairbrush that is going to calm lunatics down <laughs> if you could have a, a hairbrush that just doubled as a scalp massage and played soothing music for Trump and Bashar al-Assad and whatever <laughs> maybe that'll be technology worth having if you look at some of the products that are lined up here it, you would assume that everything in the world was absolutely fine and that we had managed to solve all outstanding problems. Because, <laughs> like, the smart hairbrush, that is no one's number one priority. No. But amongst the things that are is a new piece of tech, uh, this device that lets children create their own bedtime story and then hear it read aloud back to them by this little machine. Right. And this is a very exciting development in parenting because, <laughs> I mean, it's come a bit too late for for me because... Uh, uh, our kids are now nine and seven, nine and eight, <laughs> <laughs> nearly, nearly ten and eight. Um, uh, my wife and I have had to do quite a lot of parenting ourselves, sure. regrettably, with 50% disappointing results. Um, <laughs> it's fine, I married well. Uh, Chris, you're... Two and a half. Two and a half. So, I mean, this could be quite useful for you. Nish, I mean, if you, 
Zero children. I don't know if you're ever intending to bring little nishes and nishettes into the world, (laughs) but you will be able to outsource everything to technology. Ideal. Everything. I mean, this is this is a very exciting development to not have a bedtime story. We're nearly at the point where you can give birth to your baby and just say, right, I'll hook it up to the Wi-Fi, see you in 18 years. <laughs> Basically, technology is replacing the Victorian boarding school. <laughs> we will have more from the uh, CES 2017 uh, next week, uh, including uh, a look at some of the, the other new, uh, new technology, including the smart sock, the uh, driverless and passengerless car, uh, and the smart bladder. Uh, That all to come in the Bugle next week. Your emails now. This comes from an anonymous correspondent um, who says, Dear Andy, Hari, and... uh, A bit racist, isn't it? A bit racist. Good Lord. (laughs) And (laughs) the metaphysical remains of that British guy whose name I can't remember. Um, 2016 sucked. I think we can all say that. Um, we had Brexit, we had Trump, and I'd sit nine GCSEs without the aid of fresh bugles. Um, I can make, think of only one way to make damn sure 2017 isn't as terrible. The one highlight of 2016 was the return of the bugle. And the only means I can see to bring some joy into what will be a bleak, dark, empty morass of a year is to bring back the only comeback that would bring light into the gloom, and that is hotties from history. <laughs> So he proposed that the world needs a new 2017 Hotties from History's Hotties from History calendar um, to bring light into the darkness, just as Nightingale's lamp did in the Crimean. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Um, Do you want a tissue? And, <laughs> and um, oh, it's gone all over the chicken court. <laughs> and he suggests his first nomination, Julie Daubigny. She travelled around France, writes our anonymous, as a cross-dressing bisexual demonstration swordswoman for several years before joining the Paris Opera. In Poitiers, a drunk heckler yelled that she had to be a man because a woman could not be so skilled with a blade, so she tore open her blouse and asked the audience to judge for themselves. She took holy orders to elope with a nun, and the King of France had to pardon her twice. That sounds hot! Oh, my God! I'm burning up in here, Andy! (laughs) That is a scorcher from history. That is well, an absolute blazer of a hottie. I mean, she was what late 17th, early 18th century, I and mean, that's a that was a great era for hotties. Sexy history. time, sexy, truly a sexy, sexy time. Sexy time. I mean, Nish, since you're, you're new on the show, you you you've not shared with us your long-held historical crushes. I mean, yeah. What, I mean, are well, there any well, who floats your boat from the past? One word, Andy. Yeah, Cleopatra. Yeah. No doubt, yeah. Cleopatra. I know it's a sort of obvious choice. It's a bit like picking Sgt. Peppers as your favourite Beatles album, but <laughs> what could you do? Cleopatra is one of the notoriously the hottest women of all time. Yeah. She was so hot, especially when she was married to Richard Burton. I may be getting Cleopatra <laughs> confused with Elizabeth Taylor, but it's hard to say. Just don't buy her a snake bra for Valentine's Day. Not <laughs> too many memories. That really sounded like a cryptic crossword quote. <laughs> well, don't, don't get started on that as well. <laughs> we had a, a very nice email as well, which we'll get to, I think, because we've overrun this week, um, from from Brian. Uh, is there any truth to rumour that Bugles 295 to 4,000 have been recorded but cannot be released because they refer exclusively to future events? <laughs> 
um, we will. You may have stumbled upon something here, and we will be uh, releasing exclusive excerpts <laughs> from those missing bugles revealing the future uh, in weeks to come. Uh, do keep your emails coming in to hello buglers at the buglepodcast.com. Uh, do keep your emails coming in to hello buglers at the buglepodcast.com. Well, that's about it for this week. Just time to plug uh, the uh, initial stages of my forthcoming Plan Z UK tour. Uh, Bristol at the Hen and Chicken on the 2nd of February. Uh, the Oxford Glee on the. Th- I thought that shut down. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that may no longer be happening. I, well. If it if it isn't happening, it's a problem for both of us because I'm there on the second of February. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, well, it may or may not be uh, happening. Let's well, somewhere in find, Oxford. Why don't we I think find it might have reopened? Right. Um, It'll either be at the Glee or I assume, given your sort of standing in the that city, the Bodleian Library. <laughs> well, you say that, but when I was a student in Oxford, the Bodleian Library was for me not so much a library as a dormitory. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and the, they didn't call you a big party for no reason, Zoltz. Uh, I've just checked my own website. Uh, Oxford on the third is not happening. Leeds on the fourth. Well, unless my website is wrong. Leeds on the fourth is happening. Uh, the City Varieties, uh, Leicester at the Cookie on the 9th, Richmond in Yorkshire at the Georgian on the 10th, Peterborough at the Key on the 11th, and the other dates all at andysoltzman.co.uk. Right, anything to plug, Nish, other than the gig that may or may not yeah, be happening so for I you I may or may not be at uh, Oxford on the 2nd of February. Uh, on the 30th, uh, I'm in Glasgow, 31st Edinburgh, and 1st in Aberdeen. So I'm off to Scotland for a couple of days. Uh, the details are at nishkumar.co.uk, either forward slash or black slash gigs. <laughs> right. Just Google Nish Kumar. Yeah. I mean, I think to be, at the end of this little section of the show, most people have decided not to come anyway. So. Anyway, Buglers, it's great to be back in this glorious new dawn of a year. <laughs> um, we will be back. New Year, same shit. We'll be back next week with Hari Kondabolu. Uh, until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Bugle. We are proud to be parts of the Radiotopia stable of the world's finest podcastery. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs>